0: So, tonight we're going to be focused on Exodus 20, verse 7, but we will read verses 1 to 7. Exodus 20, verses 1 to 7. It's on page 118. If you're curious, the words will be on the screens otherwise. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, we are in the midst of a series on the Ten Commandments, and we have come this evening to Commandment 3 but just by way of review, a few words on commandment one and commandment two, because although these are different commandments and they deal with different spheres of our life, they are also intertwined and they are also connected to one another. So it's helpful to review. The first commandment is about the proper object of our worship, and that is, of course, the one true God, and only the one true God is worthy of our worship, and so that is the only one that we are to worship. It says, you shall have no other gods before me, so in saying that, God is not saying that he wants to be number one in a polytheistic universe of God's. He does not mean that we can have as many other gods as we want to have as long as he is first on the list and no one is ahead of him. He means that he wants no other gods before his face because he is the only true God. Second commandment deals with how we worship the one true God. God explicitly tells us that he does not want to be worshiped via idols. Idols are not to be made. Idols are not to be used in the worship of the one true God. And so it's not simply that you shouldn't worship idols in the place of the one true God. It's not simply that you shouldn't worship idols in addition to the one true God. It is that you should not worship idols as a means of worshiping the one true God. So tonight we come to the third commandment. And the third commandment comes back to make us mindful again about the who of our worship. The God that we worship is holy, and he ought to be treated as holy. He is to be treated as holy not only in our speech, which is what we normally associate this commandment with, but he is to be worshiped as holy in all of our conduct. And so the third commandment deals somewhat with the claims of the one true holy God on us and Conversely, the responsibility that we have to treat him as he deserves, to treat him as holy. Now, the, the third commandment is, is seen New Testament wise in the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, where we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy be your name. So, this commandment is about showing proper respect, proper fear. Proper awe of the Lord's name, of the Lord's person, of the Lord's reputation. So, that said, it does have something to do about uh, profaning God's name in our speech. We think of the names by which we worship God. God, Christ, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and most of us have heard someone use one or more of those names as expletives. That is definitely covered under this commandment. We are not to do it. Not only are we not to do it, but we are not to sit idly by if others around us are doing it as well. Because really, the scope of the third commandment is God's glory. God's glory. Now can we actually damage God's glory? No. We can't even make a dent in God's glory in an absolute and ultimate sense. God's glory is his. God's glory belongs to him. But we do have the capacity to diminish God's glory in the eyes of others. There's a difference there. We do have the capacity to diminish God's glory in the eyes of others by our speech, by our conduct, by even our thoughts and ideas, doing damage to other people, doing damage to ourselves. The general negative precept of this commandment is that we must not think, say, or do anything that diminishes God's dignity, honor, majesty, and glory, and we must not permit others to do so either. Put in a positive sense in everything that we think, say, and do, we must acknowledge the one true God's dignity, honor, majesty, and glory. So the third commandment, as we think about it that way, has everything to do with with putting boundaries around God's reputation as it is communicated through our speech, through our conduct, through our lives. And therefore, it is actually a much broader commandment than we give it credit for. Let's begin with the first words of Exodus 20 verse seven. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So we have this reference here to the name of God. And what this command is telling us is that we must be careful to treat God's name with respect, not only in our speech, but in the entirety of our being. Simply put, the third commandment means do not take up God's name carelessly. This would include speaking God's name carelessly. This would include writing God's name carelessly. And here's here's the more provocative one. Here's the one that we don't always think about. It includes attaching God's name to something carelessly. So the commandment tells us that whenever you use God's name, make sure to take it up with a, a careful awareness of God's holiness. Do not claim his name unless you treat it with appropriate reverence and respect. God tells us in very strong, absolute language, do not take up my name in vain. And you know, just a little background here. That verbiage that's used in the Hebrew to take up is actually courtroom language. So, At the heart of this commandment, based on its original context, is that God's name is not to be attached to any oath or any solemn situation unless we intend to be faithful to the commitment that we're making. Now in those solemn situations, in those solemn circumstances when God's name is taken up, in our church family, we take up God's name when we celebrate baptism, when we celebrate profession of faith, and certain other things. When God's name is taken up like that, it must be done with fidelity, and it must be done with reverence, The third commandment says that appealing to God's name in an oath and then violating that oath is not simply to lie. It is to bring into disrepute God's name and God's character because God has given you, God has given me his name. And when you, bearing his name, contradict his commands... You call his character into question and defame him in the eyes of the world. But more broadly even than oath-taking, as in some solemn legal situations or some solemn church celebrations, this command applies to any claim we make relating to God's name, including, listen to this, the claim to be one of God's people. If we claim to be the people of God and then live as though we are not, we are taking God's name in vain. If we claim to be Christians and our behavior contradicts what we profess to believe as Christians, we are taking God's name in vain. You know, the fact that the one true God revealed his name to his Old Testament people was intended to be a blessing, a special blessing to them. For them to know his name, for them to know his covenant name, Yahweh, was to give them this special privilege of access to him in order to pray to him, in order to ask for his blessing, in order to be part of his family. So that said, when we use God's name in an inappropriate way, either in our speech or by our lives, we not only bring God's name into disrepute, we also abuse that wonderful blessing that he has given us. Now think about it. When a father sends a child into the world, bearing his name, in a very real sense, that father's reputation is on the line. Because that child's conduct reflects the, the upbringing which he or she received in the home, and in turn, either reflects positively or negatively on the family, and the father, and the father's name. Now, as Christians, we should have a deep desire to bring honor and glory to our heavenly Father. We should desire to bring glory to our heavenly Father in every aspect of life, through our lives and through our speech, through our behavior, through our love of one another. We want his name to be exalted in this world. That is why we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In baptism, God lays his claim on us and we are acknowledging and professing to belong body and soul to him. If we dishonor the name of the Lord and how we live, whether it be through our speech, whether it be through unfaithfulness in our vocation, whether it be through unloving behavior, which bears poor witness in this world, then we stand guilty of dishonoring the name of our God. And God takes it very seriously when we take his name in vain. The gravity of this commandment is clearly stated in Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 36, Question 99 asks, what is the aim of the third commandment? And it answers, that we neither blaspheme nor misuse the name of God by cursing perjury or unnecessary oaths, nor share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. That's how serious it is. In summary, we should use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe so that we may properly confess God, pray to God, and glorify God in all of our words and all of our works. Question 100 follows up and asks, Is blasphemy of God's name by swearing or cursing really such a serious sin that God is angry also with those who do not do all they can to help prevent and forbid it? And the answer, yes, indeed. No sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than blaspheming his name. That is why God commanded it to be punished with death. So to take up God's, to, to take up God's name in vain means any frivolous, insincere, thoughtless, unsubstantial use of his name. It includes irreverent humor, which mocks God or mocks others. It includes blasphemy, cursing, insincere oaths. It includes professing faith in Jesus Christ, claiming to be a Christian, receiving baptism, and yet walking in worldliness, denying our profession by the trajectory and the fruit of our lives. This commandment tells us that when we take up the name Christian, when we claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, we better mean it. Because when we are called Christian, we are being called by God's name. And do you remember in the New Testament what the Apostle Paul says about that name? It is the name which is above every other name. When we take up the name Christian, we are taking to ourselves the name which is above every other name. And that calls us to live by the grace of the Holy Spirit in accordance with what we profess. So finally, the third commandment provides a warning as well, that God will judge those who are ultimately hypocritical in the use of his name. See, how we speak about God and how we live in God's name is how we worship God. And God will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So, if we are careless with God's name, if we misuse it or use it casually, there will be consequences. You know, the Heidelberg Catechism refers to this, but in Leviticus 24, a man actually does take God's name in vain, and he is sentenced to death. He makes the mistake of using God's name lightly, and he is sentenced to death. This is serious stuff. If we take up God's name, but do not take up the reality of it, If we profess God's name, but we don't live in accordance with that profession, if we say that we have tasted grace, but we have not tasted grace, then we take God's name in vain and stand guilty of breaking this third commandment. God will not allow his name to be misused. In closing, let's focus on Jesus for a few minutes. Around 2,000 years ago, when Jesus walked the earth, he made some pretty audacious claims about himself, didn't he? The powers that were in Jewish society knew that when Jesus said these things, he was claiming to be God. Now, for anyone else, that would be an over-the-top breaking of the third commandment, and they believed that Jesus was someone other than he was claiming to be, and so they picked up rocks in order to stone him. He is claiming to be God, that is blasphemy, and the penalty is death. But brothers and sisters, I know I'm preaching to the choir here somewhat, but don't ever let anyone try to convince you that Jesus isn't God that Jesus didn't think that he was God, that Jesus didn't say that he was God. The whole reason why they were trying to kill Jesus and eventually did is because he kept claiming that he was God. But look, and here's where the gospel enters the story. Because he is God, three days later, he rose from the dead and said, I told you so. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. He didn't violate the first commandment because he is the one true God. He didn't violate the second commandment because he lived without any sin. He didn't violate the third commandment because he didn't say anything that was untruthful about himself. We keep the third commandment today by honoring the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we make much of the name of Jesus and when we do so we are honoring a loving God we are honoring a serving God we are loving and serving a forgiving God God owns his name he allows us to use it under proper and appropriate conditions but it is his And we must be very careful to honor the conditions that he has given us. But tonight I promise you, and I make this invitation, come to God and you will be received if you trust in Jesus Christ, whose name is above every other name. Jesus himself makes this invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So my prayer tonight is this. Lord, grant that when we say, all hail the power of Jesus' name, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we mean it. We mean it from the bottom of our hearts. Thanks be to God the Father. God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son, Jesus Christ, whose name is above all names. Amen. Let's pray.